0: Welcome to Living in Harmony, a podcast for Christian parents who want to make the peace in their household without sacrificing their sanity. Here, we talk about everything from sibling rivalry to dating and how to raise your kids to be strong in their faith while maintaining your own. But don't worry, we're not all preachy here. That's the purpose of your church and your pastor. Here, we're here for you, to help you know you are not alone in this crazy journey called parenthood. So whether you're a seasoned pro or a brand new parent, Living in Harmony, this is the podcast for you. So grab some coffee or wine, we won't judge, and join us as we navigate the ups and downs of raising kids in a Christian household where the gospel is the center. Well, welcome To Living in Harmony, if you're tuning in today, it's a good day for us here in the studio because we finally have like the studio desk. It's been a while. It took a few months to get it made. We still got to like get the room all quiet and everything, but finally, we've landed. My name is Delmar.
1: I'm Robert.
2: And I'm April.
0: And it's a good day. And uh, we hope that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, that this will add a little bit of value to your day. The conversation we're going to have today is... I'll be honest, it's not an easy one for me to have, if I have it, honestly. I I can have this conversation very dishonestly, (laughs) but if I'm going to have this conversation honestly, it's not easy. But uh, before we get into that, what I want to ask you is, what did y'all get into this past week? It's been a couple weeks since we've been able to meet. What did you get into?
2: Well, most recently, we were surprised with our daughter coming home um, for a quick visit, an overnight visit, this weekend. So we got to see her um, Saturday night, and she came with us to church Sunday and got to hang out some that afternoon. That was unexpected and um, very appreciated.
1: Yeah, yeah. oh, and I've just been building garden boxes for April. So oh, yeah, there's that's... that
2: too. That the, was so exciting! The
0: garden box extravaganza. Yeah, yeah uh, us this week uh, went to Lancaster, South Carolina last week and picked up the bar we're sitting at, and then I, my dad came over. And we stained it and polyurethaned it and all that fun jazz. So it's it just looks been amazing. It's <laughs> gorgeous. It's fun. So, uh, well, it's kind of like a pipe dream that we've been able to actually have a thing where we can sit around and talk. We have game nights. We can play them over here. But overall, it's been a, it's been a week consumed with getting this place ready. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up, so we're having, and which is also my middle child's birthday. So i um. are having a big to do thing here. So trying to get all the house because we're having both sides of the family over and all that stuff. So now, today as we step into this, I just want to just throw this word out there and just get a reaction. Okay, now, let's let's get the honest reaction. Okay, not the church reaction. Ready? Forgiveness.
1: Depends on which side I'm on. <laughs> I mean, if, if I'm the one who just done something wrong and I need to be forgiven, I love it. If I'm the one that, that.
2: Wait, what? If you've done something wrong?
1: Yeah. If I've done something wrong, I love forgiveness. Okay. I get it. If I'm the one who's done something wrong, but if I, if I'm the one that needs to be doing the forgiving, I don't, I don't like it that much. I'll be honest. Yeah. I,
0: forgiveness is not easy. And I think that's to me a qualifier. Of if you're actually doing it, I was actually thinking about this last night. The one place where you don't want to give grace is probably that's the space where forgiveness needs to happen the most, at least in my experience. So today, what we're going to be talking about is not just forgiveness. I mean, we should be having that. Your pastor should be having that conversation with you in church from behind the pulpit. You should be encouraging each other in your groups with that. But we're going to be talking about how this is so important in our family life in our um, modeling it for our children and and just beyond that, like what it communicates to them. So we're gonna get into a couple of things today. We've got we've got about five just five brief areas we want to touch on when it comes to like how does forgiveness interact um, with our parenting and, and our children. So, first of all, and we we don't want to bypass this, and that is this when we're when we're practicing forgiveness in the house. It really is the foundational aspect of our Christian faith, right? Because I mean that's where Jesus came and died. So as, as we as we ease into that first point that it is the foundation, when we show forgiveness, this is the door opening to show our children who Christ is.
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't think you can I don't think you can overemphasize that point. I mean it it really is key and and it um, it doesn't just allow us to to talk about our faith with our kids it it allows us to you know to have good relations good relationships with our kids you know as we uh as we recognize you know Christ's forgiveness and the and the impact of that on on our relationships with other people
0: yeah and as as we you know demonstrate forgiveness in the family i think it's it's important that we draw some guidelines of what it really is I've been walking through some families with our church dealing with forgiveness lately. And one of the parent figures in the relationship looked at their child who they had wronged and said, you need to just forgive me. And uh, just stepping in that with that child. And then, and then the, the the child, the student felt guilty because they're like, Oh, my mom told me forgive. I haven't. I'm like, well, do you, do you hate her? Are you bitter? No, or not. You know, I'm like, well, then walk me through that. And, it's important to delegate that forgiveness is different than trust.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: yeah. true. It's, it's so much different. Forgiveness is, I'm not going to hold this against you, spiritually speaking. I'm not going to let this, I'm not going to carry this bitterness. Forgiveness is the the willful giving away of the bitterness in a lot of ways. But that doesn't mean I, I, that you just get trust back. So when we're, when we're practicing forgiving, whether it be us down to the kids, or when we mess up kids, us, it's important that we communicate, hey, I forgive you, but trust is something different. And uh, once we were able to kind of draw those boundaries, it was very healthy for the family to realize, oh, he, he has forgiven, but there's a trust thing that's going on here. And what what's so beautiful about the gospel is that, I mean, if you think about it, Christ forgives us. Right. And then he gives us trust in the sense of carrying out his message and being a part of his providential will. Like, what does that say about him in relationship to us and how that should funnel down to our kids?
2: Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think about with respect to forgiveness, you were talking about forgiveness versus trust, is we're commanded to forgive, and we're not necessarily required to trust everyone in all situations at all times, obviously. Um, there's often, oftentimes that we're told to discern things and be mindful and, and careful of, um, you know, be precautioned against, you know, certain types of, of, of people in, in God's word. But, um, but we're commanded to forgive just like we're commanded to love. You know, it's a, it's, um, a decision, it's a choice and, you know, from God's perspective, it's not negotiable. It's something we should do.
0: Yeah. So as we show our kids, that it is a foundational aspect of our faith. I would encourage that. It's also important. Let your children know when you have forgiven them. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine um, being a Christ follower and not knowing that you're forgiven? That's the difference between assurance of salvation and not. Yeah. And and when we forgive our children, sometimes we're just like. I've seen this. A parents like their child does something wrong. They're like, "Whatever, I'm over it." And then they, but they don't communicate that to their child. So what what what, what is the what is the student left thinking?
1: Yeah, well, sometimes the sometimes that means, especially for young kids, that means they're they're still expecting a punishment. They're still expecting something, you know. And we, it's like uh, Dan's been talking about in in the sermons, and and we'll get there. Is is you know our our Uh, primary like our default reaction our default uh, interaction way to interact with other people is in in some sort of justice right A, a right and wrong and if I do something wrong there needs to be punishment and if you do something wrong I need to punish you it's that that retribution type of mindset and so kids just sort of they sort of sort of have that instinctively and if they know they've done something wrong and you don't communicate that it's over they could be waiting for that to happen for, for days mm-hmm. or even weeks, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time, uh, they're still waiting, oh, is, is dad going to come back and punish me for that thing? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's, you're right, it's very important that we communicate that it's over.
2: Another thing that I think that you're communicating to children um, in that situation um, is that you're modeling n- unforgiveness for them to, to to follow in your footsteps. And if, if, if you don't actually let them know you have forgiven them and let them see that you forgive others, then they don't know that you have forgiven. And, you know, they watch what we do. And, you know, in the same way, if if we don't ever have an um, a practice, we've talked about this before, apologize to your child when you wrong them. We have to own up to it. We can't just say, well, I'm the parent, so I'm not going to like you know, lower myself and apologize, you know, to my 6-year-old when I, you know, got, you know, overreacted over something or got overly angry. I mean, we have to apologize and and admit our wrong even to our to our children when they're young um in the same way forgiveness we have to let them know they're forgiven and we have to model that for them because you know, we teach them and they learn from us.
1: So you're saying that if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that even even if we have forgiven them, if we don't tell them, they don't learn the right lesson because they don't they don't see explicitly that we're forgiving?
2: That's what I'm saying, yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Did you just wife splain? No,
1: I, <laughs> no, I, I, I was actively listening. Yes, I, I, think, I think he did. I actively listened and repeated okay, so back what reflecting. I thought she had heard, oh, okay. what I thought she had said. No, I think can that, save, that was
0: very good. That was very good. <laughs> no, but but seriously, I, that is so key and foundational that we communicate to our, our children when we forgive them that, like April said, we seek it forgiveness when it's needed because it really is. It's the core of, of what the cross offers us. And when we don't model that in our home, then that makes the cross even that much more foreign in our children's lives. Which which brings us to, you know, the next aspect of forgiveness in our family, because Jesus came down, he didn't accidentally trip up and die on a cross to forgive us. <laughs> he right. came down here with a mission. And his mission was this is what I'm doing. It was an act of choice. And today I want to encourage this and this is a really hard one to say. And and if you listen to this podcast, and maybe this is even even in your family, this is just life, this is really hard to do. But you have we have to acknowledge number two that forgiveness is a choice. That's so different because it's easy for me to be like, forgiveness is a feeling. Mm-hmm. And when I when I when I get around to it, when I am emotionally ready to do it, I'll let it go. You're not, because when you hold on. To unforgiveness it just turns into bitterness and it 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 spools around longer so it's a choice so let me ask you this in in your rearing of children right are there times when it was when it took you longer to forgive or absolutely how did you work through that what went through your mind like how did you communicate that how did you deal with God on that
1: I think just in general principles for me I can't wait until i Feel like forgiving to do it, I have to decide to. And then as I, as I go to God with that and say, you know, that my favorite passage in all of scripture, I think is when the, when the, the man's wanting his, his child to be healed. And Mm -hmm. Jesus says, Hey, uh, you know, if you believe, and he's like, I believe help my unbelief. Right. And, and so that's how I am with forgiveness. Most of the time. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm, if I'm really honest, it, it doesn't come natural to me for anything significant and and i have to commit to doing it and acknowledge you know to god that i'm going to and then and then ask him to help me make the feelings follow Mm. so that's that's for me how i how i have to pursue it and when dealing with the kids i had to do that too i mean it was you know if if there were things that that i had done, you know, usually with me, it was overly, you know, overly harsh discipline or, or, or being too quick to, to jump on something, um, tended to be how our, our parenting partnership went. Um, I had the justice and she had the mercy, uh, bent.
2: Most of the time. And then other times it was like, whoa, yeah, there
1: goes mom. (laughs) Yeah. When those when those reversed, the kids knew there was something wrong, but,
0: uh, (laughs) good cop, bad cop really threw them off that day. Yeah.
1: But, uh, But yeah, so that was, those were things that I had to kind of acknowledge and say, this is, this is, you know, this is something I need to do because it's right. Mm. Uh, And then let that, let the emotions follow later.
0: And as a parent on the younger end, my oldest is about to be six. uh, I've, I've seen in, in family that for the first few years of your life, if your kids make a mistake, they're not actively willfully trying to connive you. The first place that they're probably going to experience forgiveness is how mom and dad treat each other. Mm-hmm. And generally in a lot of relationships, because the way God puts us together, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't put us together clean because we're, we're there to sharpen each other. And, right. you know, there's generally one who can arrive at mercy and grace a little quicker than the other. And in every relationship, it's different. Um, and and what I've seen and what I've experienced is, uh, forgiveness is is just saying I'm going to to fall on the sword for the sake of being a good parent in front of these children, right? And I'm going to love you even when I go off on my wife or she goes off on me. They have to see that mommy and daddy are they're willing to work through it. So forgiveness isn't I will choose to forgive my spouse once she comes around, right? Right. Your children need to see you choosing to forgive your spouse, even when one of you is still mad at the other one. Let the one, like choosing that. And because that's a lot of times the first place where our children are going to actively see forgiveness. They're going to, of course they will, as they get older and their wretchedness kicks in even more. (laughs) But, but I think that, and then, so, how much of the the, the kiss and make up process is healthy to display in front of your children? You think?
1: I think what something that you said in there is is really important that they see the decision to be made, and and I think there were times in our in our raising of our kids where we would say things like, "I'm still angry, but we're going to do this thing that I don't feel like doing." You know, mm-hmm. "I'm still angry, but I forgive you." "I'm still angry with this." And I'm working on that. Um, I don't think we did a ton of talking about our disputes with each other in front of the kids, but we did. We did make sure that we communicated uh, that our relationship was foundational and strong. You mm-hmm. know, we never. You know, we we never joked about divorce. We never we never talked about you know
2: privately or publicly. <laughs> yeah, privately or
1: publicly, but but in front of the kids, especially, we we tried to make sure that they understood that this bond was was extremely strong. Um, I don't know. We'd probably have to ask and the kids if we if if they felt like we we reconciled in front of them.
2: And honestly, I mean, I think the vast majority of our married life, we've pretty much gone with. Um, the assumption that most things are the little things. Most, most issues are not worth fights. And so, I mean, there have been times, I mean, there's definitely been times where we've been, one of us has been mad at the other for whatever reason, but we um, have always been, um, you know, I would say 99% of the time, quick mm-hmm. to want to resolve and say we're not going to go down that crazy way. Right. We're just going to um we're going to work through this really quickly and 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 stay, you know, um yeah, and solid you, together.
0: And when you do that, that's that's modeling Christ. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's he publicly I mean, he publicly forgave us yeah. in the most public debasing way possible. And and I would encourage you if if you're in a marriage and you're like, man, we're, we're in a tough spot or we just, we're about to go in Jesus was publicly debased in his act of forgiveness. It yeah. is okay for you to feel like dirt when you're forgiving someone because that's honestly love, right? And it doesn't mean that, like you said, trust is just back. That can be earned. But it is a choice that you have to step into.
2: You know, um, something that kind of came to mind as we were talking about this is um, early on in our marriage, I don't remember how early, but I would say probably, I think it was probably definitely within the first five years of our marriage. Um, You know, we just had discussions between the two of us about our own upbringings and things like that and i had you know made the comment that i really i never saw my parents have an argument um through the whole my, my whole life i i don't recall that and i remember robert saying well oh, i'm sure they argued they just probably didn't do it in front of you and i thought no i really i really don't think they ever really had fights or anything and so um, just because it was sort of like, not a bet, but a bet that wasn't a bet. You know, I was like, I'm just going to call and find out. And I picked up the phone and (laughs) called my mom, and I said... Hey, weird question, but we're just having this discussion. And I flat out asked her, like, I don't recall you guys arguing. Um, I just don't recall a time where I heard you guys fighting or arguing. And I told her, you know, Roberts convinced that you guys did, and it just was maybe behind closed doors, so the kids wouldn't know. And and I just asked her flat out, what what really, you know, what can you what can you shed light on about that? Mm-hmm. And and she just said, no, I don't, I don't really think we did, but. The backstory for that is both of my parents had been previously married before Hmm. and the details aren't important, but they had both experienced um, a spouse commit adultery and they had ended up, you know, with their marriages ending. And so when you go through something, when you know how bad things can be and you know how much hurt there is to have, to experience. She told me, she said, we just decided when we got married, most things are not worth the argument because we know how much worse it can be. And they just committed early on that they were going to let most anything just, Mm. you know, roll off. And that's how they lived. And so it really was true that they really didn't argue that like that.
0: (laughs) But their, but their ability to forgive was birthed out of some deep pain. Absolutely. Some some deep, deep pain. Mm -hmm. And if we're not forgiving in our own house, chances are there's some deep pain we have not processed. We've not worked Mm -hmm. through. We've not given to the Lord. We've not even maybe owned. Um, and, And as we, when we choose to forgive, I think what's really difficult is because we think, oh, well, we've forgiven. Our children say, we tell our children we forgive them. They're like, oh, we should be able to just to be back fine, which brings us to the next point. Because forgiveness is a choice, but number three, reconciliation is a process. Right. It is a yes. process to be reconciled. You know, Jesus, you know, he offers us forgiveness, but what what did he have to do for us to be reconciled?
1: <clears throat> and I think that's a really profound point. And, and we've talked about it in our, April and I have in, in our um, life and with our kids about having, you know, forgiveness doesn't mean dropping all the boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes that... You know, sometimes that means you know, I think you said earlier trust. Sometimes that means that there's a different a different kind of trust, and there's a boundary that goes up that may never come down. Um, but I think you know, forgiveness is a is a choice that I make in my heart and before God. But reconciliation requires both of us to be involved, mm-hmm. right? So if the other person doesn't want to be a part of a relationship anymore, I can still forgive. I can still be clean before God. I can still, you know, I can still offer that to that person. But that doesn't mean that that relationship can reconcile because if the other person's not interested, you you just can't get there. You know, that reconciliation does require both.
0: And if you're listening, you're a parent with an older child. I know that we have some who listen who have some children who they don't speak to. And I think I would offer it. It doesn't. It doesn't dull the pain of not having your child in your life. But if there is um, a schism that has created a need for forgiveness, and that you've chosen to do that, but for whatever reason the reconciliation has not happened, um, there's only so much you can play into that. It takes both parties coming together, saying, "I, I, I want this to be reconciled." So, you know, I think sometimes a parent we can beat ourselves up about. You know this problem, this problem, this problem, and it's not even with our kids; just people in general. Um, There's people who um, I I would love to be reconciled with. I've offered forgiveness, but for whatever reason, you know, they're here. They are here. I am. Does that make them less of a human? No. Does that make me better? No. It's just it requires both people desiring to do it. And the thing about your family is, this is one of the most critical places especially with everybody under the same roof, where we learn how to reconcile. And I know for me, my mom, I don't know if I ever shared this before, but when I would get in a fight with my brother, she would make us sit on the couch and hold hands. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think you, I think i yeah, heard that. Yeah, for before.
0: like sometimes like an hour, man. You know how hard <laughs> it is to be like a, teen, a kid, a little kid watching Power Rangers holding your little brother's hand? Like you don't feel cool at that point. you know, or, or having to watch his Barney because... It, it, we're in the same room, now I got to watch Barney and hold his hand. Yep. But like in that moment what my mom was teaching is like reconciliation is it's a process. It requires you being close to each other. It requires you to be in communication with each other and um it's 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 important that we pass that on to our children that they can be reconciled. Man, this breaks my heart. I was speaking to a student this week and um You can just tell when when somebody's off, and I said, "Hey, what's up? Nothing." Well, I believe about sixty percent of that. Right. Hmm. What's going on? And then it was, boom, my parent. This, you know, and I don't want to get into it, but it was like I'm hurting because this child's getting the silent treatment, which is one of the worst things you can probably do. In my opinion, yeah. You know, aside from like physical violence on your children, yeah, is um, is this silent treatment and just seeing the longing for reconciliation to happen, and and just feeling hopeless. And I think that's the one thing I would I, w- I would share with parents. I've seen this a lot when when parents are unwilling to reconcile with their children until they go through a phase of getting shunned or a phase of whatever. It just Burns into the soul this feeling of hopelessness
2: and rejection and rejection.
0: Mm-hmm. And here's the person who's supposed to love me, birth to me. You know, if anyone should be in my corner, it's this person. And when they're no longer there, man, it's it's a it'll mess up your worldview. So it's important. And to, to which I told this person, you need to go and talk to your adult figure, because I said, have you shared this with him? No. This is stuff You need to, you know, because, and which is sad because it shouldn't be doing that. But sometimes we lead up, right? That's what we do. Sometimes other adults encourage children to lead up. I know you have, I have, but it is, it is, um, it's a process. It requires getting messy. Uh, but if anything I could say is when I'm talking to this student, it's like there are shackles on their heart, they, they don't even want to share stuff they need to be sharing with their parent. And which brings us to point number four. And this one is, man, if you unlock this in your family, your family, I don't, I don't even know what you call it, next level. You call it biblical. How about that?
1: Yeah.
2: I love number four. Yes, yeah, <laughs>
0: number four. It's probably my favorite one. And that is this forgiveness brings freedom because unforgiveness, it just holds us captive. To the bitterness, to the hurt, to the anxiety, to the what if, it brings freedom.
2: You know, one of I, I think I've even possibly shared this before on an, on a previous podcast, but um, one of my favorite old sayings that I will talk about with people when um, when you know things like this come up is, and I, I don't remember where I heard this long ago, but I've been I've stolen it and used it ever since. Is forgiveness. Um, Forgiveness is setting the captive free and realizing that the captive was you. There you go. And it really does speak to the fact that this is not about whether the other person deserves it. Just like Christ's forgiveness of for us was not a matter of whether or not we deserved it, because clearly we did not. But, um, you know, forgiveness is more about us modeling Christ and our own spiritual life and our soul, you know, being in the right place. And, um, and it does not, I mean, again, it does not matter if that other person has, has repented, has admits they're wrong, whether you're able to reconcile, but for our own spiritual health, we, we have to do it. And really interesting thing is that I think deep down in our hearts, we know if we have truly forgiven someone Absolutely. or not. And yeah. a lot of times it's very easy to say the words, yes, I forgive that person. But all the while we're still, yeah. we still have our, 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 our fist closed over at least a portion of something going, yeah, except, except for this, I reserve the right to flare up over this part right here. You know,
0: I've learned you can be 95% forgiving, but the 5% can drown you. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, 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 and I think Whenever you experience forgiveness, being able to let go, it really is like coming up for air. You know, I want to encourage you if you're, if you're dealing with it, what's the place? What's the person? What's the event that, that you just can't? What, what occupies your mind space? Most of us have something. I have something. Here's what I would, I practice this every now and then and it's helpful. And uh, I think it's very human. I will just go to a place where I'm comfortable. Sometimes it's just being in my backyard. And for just a second, I will just, I don't use the word make believe because that's not the appropriate word, but I will just allow my mind to be like, what if it never happened? And I just sit in that and I experience, it's like getting hit with cold water. And then it's like, that's what it could be like. Because when you forgive I mean, your soul can be put back in that place. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes I'll go right back into the hole right after that. But it's important that you allow yourself to experience and feel that freedom, even if it's just for 10 seconds before the anxiety comes up. And next time you say, okay, Lord, let's do it again. Let's do it again. I went through something when I was like 24. I had to wake up every single day before I got out of the bed. I had to say, I choose to forgive this person two years two years, over 600 days, I had to wake up before I got out of the bed. I choose to forgive this person and Jesus is Lord. You know, the choice happened, the feeling came later. And you know what? The second you choose to forgive, great, you'll have freedom, but then life is life, right? So there'll be something else. But I would encourage you, if you're like, I'm not at a place where I can do that, I can't release it, at least allow yourself to to feel for a second what I know God can do in your life permanently.
1: And if I could if I could mix a couple of metaphors that you guys threw out there, April talked about, you know, there's always something that you hold on to and you just picture grasping onto that with your, with your fist. And, and Delmo, you talked about drowning. And, and if you have, if you remember what it was like to learn how to swim, the first thing you really have to do is learn to trust the water and trust mm-hmm. that you can float and relax, right? Yep. You have to let go and i think forgiveness is very much the same way if you if you don't trust that god can do what he does and 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 restore your relationship with him if not your relationship with that other person although that's always possible you know you have to you have to let go of that and trust him and that allows everything else to happen if you don't you end up drowning just like in the water if i clinch up and I'm Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, it doesn't matter how, how much I'm thrashing against the water, it's going to get worse. And I'm, I'm going to drown myself. If I do that, um, you just, you have to, you have to be able to relax and and get into that. And I think the, an exercise like you just talked about is a really good way to do that. Cause the way I I like, I, I know you wanted to be careful with it, but I like the way you talked about pretending because you allow yourself to get out of the reality, it's like no, I can't really do that. No, no, no. Let's let's pretend like I could for just a minute and see what it's like, mm-hmm. right? And then you start practicing that, and one, you can feel the tension relax out of your body, probably. Um, and then as you do that, you kind of you kind of build that skill set that allows you to do it for real. It
0: becomes it becomes more of a habit, mm-hmm. and you know. To continue with that, just this past week, I had, we were at the pool with my kids, and I'm trying to teach my middle how to float on his back. And man, I would put my hand on his back, and he would, his arms would go, his legs would go straight. And when they went straight, I'm like, you're going to sink, boy. <laughs> and then I would kind of let him go. I'm not, you know, I let him fall, freak out, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, relax. I want to see those legs just wiggle out there. And then he would start floating. And it's, it's really, it's so real because the second he's floating, it's almost like this thing in his mind is like, there's no way this can be real. I got to tense up to control the situation. Mm-hmm. Start sinking again, which brings us to our last point, And that is this forgiveness is an ongoing journey. You know, my, my son, he's buoyant. He's in the water. He's relaxed. All of a sudden he tenses up. Oh no, 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 You got to relax again. You know, it mm-hmm. is, it is an ongoing thing. It's not, I'm um, like, we were just saying, it's not a one and done thing. If it was, well that would be you know we that will it will be that way when we're in glory but as long as we're trapped in this we can't because we are so uh our emotions and our logic are so intertwined one is always holding captive the other
1: right and i think you know again i really like that illustration of of floating um, cause the other thing is if you, you know, floating in a pool is one thing, but if you've ever tried to float on your back in the ocean or, or in a place where there's, <laughs> mm-hmm. or, or, or in a pool where people are splashing, it's like, oh, it's working really well until a wave, you know, until water comes over my face. And now it's like, ah, and, and and our instinct is to to tense up and try to stand up, which is about the worst thing you can do if you're floating because you don't float vertically. Um, and so then you have to you have to consciously relax and just kind of let that wash over you. You have to let that wave wash over you. Doesn't mean you can breathe while it's there. It may be very unpleasant for that moment, but then you have then then it then it settles back down, uh, and you're able to you're able to to refloat again. And one of the techniques that I've used. Um, and I've used it with my with my kids, and I've used it with with my wife, and, and with other people, is to to think about you know to kind of practice um, you know thankfulness and gratitude. Part of that is is with God because like half the verses on forgiveness that, that are in Scripture are forgive we're to forgive because God forgave us. We're supposed to remember you know we've we've talked about that a couple of ways. We're supposed to remember what we've been saved out of, and what Christ did to save us, and what it cost him, and that makes all of our other things seem much, you know, very petty. But the other thing is to look at that other person, whether it's a kid, whether it's a, a spouse, whether it's a friend, whether it's a family member, and and start looking at the good things about that person. There's almost always something. I mean, very few humans are complete and total monsters. There's always something that you can look in there and say, you know, oh that's that's pretty good. And for most of us there's there's a good bit in the behavior. For those of us who are who are Christ followers and who are who are striving to raise our children that way, there's a lot to be thankful for. And every time I look at, at April, every time I've looked at my kids, there are so many things that I could be grateful for. So many good things that they do, so much in their hearts that that was trying to follow Christ. And I look at that and say, oh, with all of that on one side, is it really worth me being angry about this little thing? And that that has helped me to say, no, it's, it's really not. That's a small thing. And what I hear
0: you doing right here is something that's so common that we should be doing, and that is you are preaching to yourself what you know to be true. And I think if we don't do that, then what ends up happening is our subconscious self preaches to. Somebody's always preaching to us, right? You're either going to let that redeemed side of you preach to yourself, which requires effort, or you're going to let this, that autopilot version of you preach to yourself, which is, which is horrible because we know where that leads to. And, you know, as we, as we sit in this today, when it talks about forgiveness, our hope is that you, no one listening feels like, oh, this is ridiculing me. Our, our, what we're trying to say is we all struggle with this but we have something in our arsenal that enables us to do something supernatural in regards to forgiveness that the world can't figure out. <laughs> you know the world the world I'll, I'll give this to the credit to the culture. Our culture has at least recently owned the fact that they're not forgiving and can't be. Because that's why we have cancel culture. That's right. why we have boycott. Right? We they they call it um, consequence culture, but that's whatever. They, it's cancel culture. And every time you hear that cancel this person, cancel that, they, they they what they're saying is they're just owning the fact that naturally we cannot truly forgive. Forgiveness is a supernatural event. It's what designates us different than. Those who don't have Christ, which brings us to this great aid in this conversation, which was what we heard in church this week. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what we talked about in church this week because man, it pairs up real nice. So uh this past week, Pastor Dan, uh man, we're we're going through Galatians right now and he is hammering it in. And uh ultimately you could summarize what we talked about this past week is this, and, and here it is, everybody. This is No veil on this conversation. A Christian is someone who looks at everything in life through the lens of the gospel. Everything. Amen. Oh my gosh. Today I was working on our sermon clip and uh, we put out our sermons every week at church. We put a clip and then Dan was just going on about like the richness of the word and how that's the center of worship. And we open that, we hear from God and I'm like, I'm like in tears while I'm making this thing Mm -hmm. because this is the most normal thing ever. It should be right, like the most normal thing ever. Should be that the gospel is the center; it's what we go to every week. But I'm emotional because it's not normal anymore. Mm. Even in our church world, it's we're not coming back to a gospel. We're com- what do we come back to? You do to come back to we don't come back to the gospel. We come back to our mission, vision, and values. Yeah, which is fine, but they're only supposed to be there as uh you know a handmaiden to the gospel, and what we see. Is that when we we look everything through the lens of the gospel, we're able to see the pathway towards forgiveness. We're able to see the pathway towards living in such a way where we don't need forgiveness as much. So as as we were as y'all were sitting in the sermon, I really love to hear how this interacts with this conversation that we're having right now in your minds.
1: Yeah, I think like you said, it's a it's a fantastic, um, you know, it's a fantastic. Pairing, um, and you know, there were there were several things that 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 came back. You know, one of the things that you know uh, Dan's first point was, what does it mean for the gospel to define our relationships? Well, one of the things it means for the gospel to define our relationships is what we've been talking about. We forgive because Christ forgave. We recognize that truth. We recognize that that's where the relationship, um, our relationship with God comes from. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on how well we we honor him or follow his commands. It's not based on some set of religious practices. It's based on what Christ did for us and how much he loved us to reach down mm. into our sin, to reach down into the muck that we had and we were, and to pull us out of that. And when we keep that in mind, and then we turn and look at other people who are in exactly the same spot as we are, then, you know what right do I have to be angry with my wife when I was that you know slime ball that, that Christ mm. had to had to pick up? You know really when I when I keep all of that in mind, it allows me to have a much better uh, relationship with other people and, and to to really have the power, the strength to do those things that I wouldn't be able to do in my own nature.
0: So would you say that having a gospel filtered approach to relationships doesn't just, change your emotional state of being, but it change it changes your actions as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think in our culture today, we're we're really zoinked out on just wanting to feel better and have our our emotional state better. But what we have to realize is like the gospel's not there to, as an emotional enhancer. You know, it, it is there for a life enhancer. Which which does and, and man, Dan really he, even afterwards, my own father came up to me after he's like Man, that sermon got me. Mm-hmm. And my dad's a good old country boy, you mm-hmm. know? So, because uh, Dan, he just straight up said if, if the gospel defines your relationships, then you need to target right now who's someone you need to forgive, mm-hmm. who's someone you need to apologize to, who's someone you need to encourage, and who's someone you need to confront, and who's someone you need to pray for, and who's someone you need to serve. If you just identified those five things and you're like, that's my goal for the next month. Could you imagine what that would do? Yeah. Just to our ability to be relational with people. Could you imagine then inha- like our children seeing this, you know, praying for someone at the dinner table who you never done before, you know? I look at that and then um he went on to talk about how the gospel should dictate our priorities as well. And uh you know, you think about that, are we being intentional about you know passing off the gospel in our family? Um, a lot of Christians are, they're Christians, but the gospel transmission is passive in the family structure, right? Pa- passive gospel is we take our kids to church, we take them to VBS, um, we listen to Love. Man, you can find better stuff than Love, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying this is passive. But if we go into let the gospel take, take our priorities, then how should our communication with our children about Jesus really be?
2: it changes it i think it changes everything because every time we interact with our kids we are we should be conscious of you know we are essentially presenting the gospel in one way or another in in all of our interactions you know and um
1: and i think I th- the other thing it does with that is it's not just how we speak with our kids. It's how we choose to do, to use our, our time mm-hmm. individually and as a family. Oh, we're not going to, you know, we, we may not, um, you know, we, we may, we may turn down this, this sports league because it would require us to be there on, on Sundays when we should be fellowshipping with mm-hmm. our, with our, with our, uh, believers. Um, we, you know, want to make sure that we are, doing things you know even in that sports league no we're gonna we're gonna be loving and forgiving to the person who just committed a foul against you right you're gonna get up and you're gonna forgive that person and and you won't feel like it right but you're not gonna get up and and hack that dude just because he hacked you right right um a lesson i didn't learn very well in (laughs) high school (laughs) but yeah um, i've heard stories mm -hmm.
2: of you and in your high school me and my high school Um, team,
1: but but you know we can we can so we can allow the gospel to influence our behavior in all of those different ways, and you could you can multiply that in, uh, into hundreds and thousands of examples uh, to be able to do that. It's not just our words, but our actions as well.
2: But when we bring it home, and it's it's the lens through which all of our all of the way we view the world, the way we view relationships, the way we view our behaviors and our choices, and the the, the priorities that we make you know i mean we're we're modeling that for our kids and we're teaching them that our christianity and our relationship with christ is not just something that's compartmentalized on well it's part of sunday morning it's part of wednesday night there's times where that's part of it and that's you know but it we live it and mm. we breathe it and it's what shapes everything about how we, how we view everything. It, it shapes how, like you said, it shapes how we, uh, interact with people who wrong us. It, it shapes how we have compassion for people who are hurting. Um, it, it shapes how we see people who are struggling with things that are different than things that we struggle with. And, you know, it, it shapes how we treat others. And, um, you know, there's just, there's a difference between, Letting that be the lens through which you filter all of life, versus just a, a portion of your week is devoted to uh, to going there.
0: Because if it's going to inform your whole priorities, I would just encourage parent. Church is not Sunday; just Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. You know, oh we we did our we did our due diligence. We put in some time with Jesus. Um, that's that's not it. That's not us making the gospel a priority. That's making us the gospel. Uh, I think about it like ice cream, okay? Because <laughs> ice cream is awesome, right? Mm. Um, in, moder- in moderation. Mint chocolate, chip, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Moose tracks. Okay, but, but I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, I'll, this is the way that, that a lot of us tend to default those who are Christian to the gospel. is like, here we go. You have um, the, the ice cream, which is your life. Here it is, it's on display. And then I'm going to put the sprinkles on top, which is the gospel so everybody can see the little sprinkles. No, it should be the ice cream is the gospel. That's our life. That's that's where all the flavor is. That's everything. And the sprinkles is how that is expressed out. I've sat in a church before where that's how the gospel presentation was. It was every week, here is this TED Talk. And then the last three minutes, maybe four, I'm going to apologize for how mean Christians are. And then I'm going to sprinkle, but Jesus is good, forgive us, Here's the gospel, like sprinkles. And what you get out of that is you realize there's not a whole lot of substance in there, right? Mm-hmm. If you ever, as a kid, one time I wanted to eat some sprinkles because I thought they were awesome. I just got a spoonful of it. it. was, They're gross, right? <laughs> yeah. What it should be is it should be the whole the whole foundation of what we got going on. and And it should dictate our priorities because, back to the ice cream, if you don't have the ice cream, where do you put the sprinkles? If you don't have the gospel, how can you prioritize the other things in your life? How can you prioritize how you're going to educate your kids? How can you prioritize how you're going to think politically? How can you prioritize how are you going to be in the culture? You can't do it without the foundation of the gospel, which which brings us to our last one, and this one is huge, and this is the one we want to send everybody off with today, and that's this: the gospel must dictate, um, must inform our mission, and this is this is important because this is different than just prioritizing, because priorities is how we set it up. Mission is how we live it out, and uh, man, I go yard selling almost every Saturday with my dad, and my dad's got this worker with him named Mike. I know this if I'm out with Mike, someone is getting witnessed to. Yeah. <laughs> he has a he wears specific shirts when we go yard selling. It's just like Jesus loves you, and when he, we hit the yard sales, he asks them how you doing. They say good, and they always ask how you doing because this is the South, and he says God is good. And if, if they say, yes, he is, he he says, oh, do you know Jesus? But this happens at like five, sometimes we're like, come on, man, we got to go. <laughs> but he, he's sitting there. But, but sometimes people say, say, well, you say he's good. And he'll say, well, why do you think he's not good? Next thing you know, he's, I mean, this is, this. he has the gift of evangelism. But I look at him as an example of that's a guy where the gospel informs his mission in life. Like it, it affects what he wears, what he says. And honestly, it's a it's kind of a role model type way to look but even even if we look at that in our own lives it's important to see how is the gospel pushing us to live to make decisions mm. um I know that y'all have made decisions even in church life was completely bent on the gospel you know where you attend church you know um so how, have you have you ever seen or how have you encouraged your children okay you're gonna believe this it's so what you got to do have you ever had to lean in with that? This is what you got to do
1: if you're going to believe it. Oh yeah, uh, and I think that <laughs> how, was how,
2: like, can we even count the <laughs> number uh, of ways? Like
1: thousands of times, <laughs> their whole lives have been that way. I mean, because we 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 had decided, um, you know, in our you know, when, as our relationship was forming. I mean, we were already both of us were already are following Christ at that point, and and so. Our marriage was going to be built that way. We were raising our children that way. We, you know, everything from, you know, what we fed them to how we educated them to, you know, what activities they were involved in, all of those things were were circled in were were subsumed under, you know, this this sharing the gospel with them and, and having them be part of that mission for 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 our marriage, our family. You know that mission was to to create you know children who would be you know Christ followers themselves, um, under you know under the sovereignty of God and understanding all of those those theological things. So it's not not to say that following a formula guarantees the, right. the outcome, but yeah, we, we absolutely we absolutely did that. And and we as they got older, it was it was now into you know thinking about career choices, thinking about education choices you know, do you go to college or not? Where are you going? What, you know, what are you trying to, 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 uh, you know, what is your education going to look like? And what are your career plans? All of that was in some sense driven by, uh, our coaching them through this whole process of, of trying to follow Christ and, and, and have the gospel be relevant in their lives.
0: Because ultimately it's, it's not just, um, what you believe it's got to it's got to filter out in how we're treating our neighbors how we're treating each other so that's the big encouragement the full circle back around is okay if we're going to live out the gospel then it's going to result in us being forgiving it's going to be result in us seeking forgiveness and what happens when we can push that down into the dna of your family is this your family is freed it is free if you want your family to be free guide them in the path of righteousness that leads in the ways of forgiveness If they won't do it okay you do it just do it you have nothing to lose by modeling Jesus so that being said it has been great hanging out today Uh, I hope that wherever you're at like we said whatever you're doing maybe you feel like you have a little bit more harmony my name is Delmar I'm Robert and I'm April have a great rest of your week